We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast for Wednesday, September 18th. I'm Jeff Erickson. My co-host today is Rotowire's very own Jim Coventry. You've heard him many times on Sirius and XM. He does a lot of podcast work for us. And of course, you read him on the uh, weekly IDP article. You did, read a ton of training camp blogs. Jim, what's going on? How are you? Uh, things are well. Very excited. The season's in full throttle. And, of course, we had to deal with a bunch of injuries now. But, hey, that's what makes this a fun game, correct? Uh, yeah. Fun unless you're the guy that's scrambling to pick up a replacement for your quarterback. <laughs> and, you know, lost a game because you had Ben Roethlisberger or Drew Brees going. And you you already started off behind the eight ball. Did Not saying it didn't happen, but uh, it, it happened. I had a couple of Ben teams and DFS Ben plays last week because I thought Seattle was an exploitable uh, secondary. And, well, that didn't turn out to be the case because you had an uh, unexploitable quarterback. But uh, so it goes. I don't even think that's the word, but we're going to roll works. with it. It uh, works. And as always, our podcast is sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Sports. Thank you, Yahoo. How did your week two go? How many uh, injuries did you uh, suffer? Did you were you able to get through the carnage okay? I did, except for I have a couple shares of Damian Williams, and now yeah. it's a little bit disconcerting because he missed practice today, and um, it's not looking great for Sunday. But oddly enough, in a lot of the leagues that I have, well, actually three leagues I have him, I picked up McCoy, not on the same team at that time, but I picked him up as well. So if one of them plays, maybe it ends up working out. Just a fan of his work. I get it. I, I understand. But uh, well, let's start there. Let's start with the Chiefs backfield because McCoy was dealing with an ankle injury of his own. Williams with a, a knee. Uh, both are de- deemed to be not serious, but Williams didn't practice today. Now, granted, it's a Wednesday practice. If he doesn't practice tomorrow, if he doesn't practice Friday, well, I'm going to be a lot more circumspect. 
Absolutely. And that's always critical. The end of the week is when it's really important. And Wednesday could be a maintenance day very easily. Um, they didn't see there were no MRI results um, that or no MRI was given right. on Damian Williams. So that's encouraging. Yeah, it is. The, the discouraging part is he's having a hard time finding lanes to run uh, that even when healthy. It wasn't the greatest setup there so far. McCoy has been running more effectively than Williams so far. It, yes. There, so here's what I get when I watch the film on these guys. And you are correct. McCoy in the first week was very good at finding the gap, some back, some back cuts he had made, some reading of um, the way the defense was flowing, and he would go against the grain very well. But the funny thing is, just like last year, he goes down immediately upon contact. He, I haven't seen him break a tackle yet. Now, maybe he broke one I missed, but absolutely nothing. And then last week he wasn't finding those gaps again. Right. And so, and then now you couple that with the inability to break tackles. And so I wonder what we're getting from him going forward as well. Yeah. I think that's a legit concern. Uh, and you know, as every single fantasy analyst pointed out in the uh, draft season, he hasn't made it through a full season healthy. He hasn't been the bell cow back before, uh, not really even in college. Uh, so that's something to be worried about a little bit there. You know, Andy Reid talked up Darwin Thompson a little bit today, saying that he feels comfortable with Thompson receiving more work if he uh, learns his assignments as a pass blocker. That's a big if statement there, if then statement. But uh, McCoy is managing an injury. He only pl- participated in the second part of practice, sat out the early portion of practice. Again, Wednesday practice. But something to watch for there to see. I'd hold on. If you've held on this far, I'd hold on. I'd continue to hold on to Darwin Thompson despite his lack of use. Absolutely. Now, the funny, your if-then statement. Yeah, the if-then statement can be changed to this. If you don't block, Mahomes gets killed, and you'll never see the field again, and we won't win. <laughs> maybe see the maybe never see the NFL again, if that's the case. But uh, absolutely, yeah. So, And that's one of the things. Every year we go through this rigmarole with young, young running backs. They Yes, they're the most ready-to-play rookies in the offense, most often than not. But they also have to, you know, pass blocking is one thing we overlook. Let's pick up something we overlook. Just being able to, you know, read holes, read, read the offense, that's often kind of like brushed aside. We just look at the pure physical skills. Absolutely correct. Yes. And that, that, that's very difficult for fantasy analysts to work with that because we never know when a coach deems what level of pass protection is acceptable. Yep. Yep. And so that's something we have to worry about there just a little bit. A uh, big game against the Ravens, too. Uh, both teams, you know, have been f- firing on all cylinders offensively, you know, for the most part, at least in the passing game. Uh, teams don't really run against the Ravens. At least they haven't in the past. You know, the Cardinals didn't on, in week two. Uh even if we get a clean bill of health for only one of these running backs, we know he's going to get like the main role it may not be the most fruitful matchup. You are correct. But my assumption is Andy Reed will scheme up significant pass attempts out of the backfield. He may not even challenge them heavily on the ground, knowing right. he could deploy either of those running backs on the, you know, those nice pass patterns they run out of the backfield. That's also true. That's, that's actually a really good point. And I, I think that's something uh, that it helps you out just a little bit there in getting over the lack of, you know, pure carries. You know, that's something Arizona didn't really do last week. No, Arizona, it was very interesting. They did their usual four verts, but um, but it worked. I mean, they were they didn't score touchdowns, but they were consistently moving the football and they didn't feel the need to use. Well, Johnson missed over a quarter of the game with a wrist injury. So that may have had something to do with it. And maybe also why they didn't throw him the ball later in the game. That could have been a piece of that. Right. Um, but, but yeah, they were having success through there. 200 yard receivers and Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald and even uh, Demir Bird did quite well in the game. Yeah, he did. Uh, unfortunately, Keyshawn Johnson did not because they felt the need to play Michael Crabtree. But I don't know what's gonna, if that's something that persists. But that, it's kind of disappointing after seeing so many targets in week one uh, for him. But it didn't work out too well the other way. Uh, the other thing that was disturbing for Arizona was the continuing field goal attempts inside the five yard line. Had one in week one, had three of them in week two. Yes, quite problematic. They're going to have to figure out something with their red zone offense. And Murray hasn't really run the football. That's not what we expected going into the season. We thought that would be a highlight of what he brought to the table. Now, I don't know if it's him not processing the speed of the NFL game yet, and maybe the holes don't look 
like they're there for him to run through. And maybe as he gets a few more weeks under his belt, he'll kind of factor that in and maybe add to the rush, the running. But that is taking away, I think, from their red zone efficiency that even though it's only two weeks in, he's not running. So the defenders play a little bit different. Yeah, maybe so. Um, And, you know, it's maybe it's kind of a we'll release the hounds later sort of thing. Or maybe it's just, yeah, like you said, all all about the adjustment. So that's that's something that's a little bit tricky, too. So we're getting a little far afield there, kind of just segueing from one team to another. Let's go back to the new side of things. Because as you alluded, there are a ton of injuries to worry about. Let's talk, start with the Carolina Panthers and Cam Newton. Uh, aggravated his foot sprain that initially occurred in the preseason. Uh, General Manager Marty Herney confirmed that it was aggravating that left foot. He was in a walking boot earlier in the week. His status for this week against Arizona is up in the air. Uh, did not practice at all today. Uh, focusing on rehab and attending meetings, but they've already said that if he can't go, Kyle Allen will be the starter. I think that's sometimes illuminating when a team kind of appoints the guy that's going to be the starter if he can't go. It's like, yeah, they're con- they're they're definitely contemplating that possibility. Yeah, and so I, I think the one advantage that if Kyle Allen is forced to play, that he'll have is this has now become a short to intermediate passing attack. And so they're not requiring the seven step drops and the downfield passing. So the reads are a lot quicker. Norv Turner beginning last year really was critical in that offense changing quite a bit. So I think Allen finding um, DJ Moore and even Curtis Samuel, along with McCaffrey all in the short areas of the field, he does have a chance to move the football, um, especially against an Arizona defense that is down their top two cornerbacks and they're not a good defense overall. Right. That is definitely true. We saw he did. Allen got some action last year. It wasn't pretty. Uh, it wasn't horrible actually either. Now I'm looking at it. He actually was okay. 8.6 yards per attempt. I, I'm not giving him due justice. I, I actually thought it was pretty bad, but it, it wasn't that bad. Um, so I may revise my estimate here a little bit there. I kind of thought they'd be sunk without camp. Maybe Allen will be a little bit better. I, I I'm giving him credit for, didn't look good in the preseason, but Will Greer looked worse. Uh, <laughs> maybe Allen will be okay. Yeah, and um, you know, as a dart throw in the DFS tournament, um, low salary, taking a shot at him. He doesn't need many points to pay off value. Uh, probably twelve points of payoff value from in like a DraftKings setting, and then with upside for more if Samuel or DJ Moore finally break something off a short pass. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so uh, I. I was, con- you know, I, I put up my initial value meter rankings last night. I did downgrade more a little bit and Samuel a little bit, but I was like, ah, that looks kind of like a little high. Maybe I need to knock them down farther. Maybe I'll leave them where they are. Yeah, I think that may be wise because especially as we stated a moment ago, Arizona doesn't have their top two corners. Yeah. So, I mean, these are guys that get separation very quickly into their routes, but now they're doing it against backup cornerbacks. That's true. Uh, so that, that's actually a really good point. So, uh, maybe I'll leave it, leave well enough alone there. Um, there, there's plenty of other, and the thing is, there's plenty of other quarterbacks down this week, you know, Drew Brees down. He's not going on the IR, but he's having surgery this week, uh, on his thumb. And they, they, it's going to be at least a minimum of six weeks. And Teddy Bridgewater did not look good in his stead. No, he did not. And he moves very slowly. His reads are no, I mean, obviously Drew, Drew Brees reads in his sleep on the reads. He makes are so quick, makes changes to the line of scrimmage, but Teddy sees things slowly. And, and in this offense, it's timing based, get the ball out quickly. And this offense could be in a whole lot of trouble. And Sean Payton had made some comment to a reporter either yesterday or today. I saw the blurb today and under there's um, something along the lines of, Oh, you're assuming that Teddy's the number two, yeah. meaning that maybe Taysom Hill will, you know, go in there and do a little of his read option stuff. Not just a little, it could be a lot and it could be, you know, you know, not just third downs. It might be, you know, first series at a time if things are working well too. There's a real danger there. I would definitely put him lower on my pickup list. That's for sure. I'd take, I would definitely take uh, Mason Rudolph over him. If, you know, I, I think I'd take Daniel Jones over him. Even though uh, I quietly, I think that Tampa matchup might not be that great. Uh, Luke Falk on the road against the Pats. Eh, I might take Bridgewater over him there. Yeah, I think that would be a good line to make New England. I quite honestly, this is one of the and I know they haven't played anybody. OK, but mm-hmm. this is looks like one of the best defensive units they've had. Yeah. They're solid top to bottom. 
Yeah, they are. Uh, I, saw, I was reading uh, how their defensive backs and pro football focus rated as the top defensive second best secondary unit in uh, in a NFL through two weeks. You know, it helps that they faced a bum bum elbow Roethlisberger and the Miami uh, Miami Dade County Community College uh, in, in week two there. I mean that 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 offense is just a I mean, just a collection of sadness. I mean, I it's definitely uh, grading on the curve there, but still, yes, they are excellent. Yeah, and you know, in their front seven, they may not have the most talent in the world, but they always play disciplined, and that's what they need from their front seven. So yeah, looking great for them. So do you think that uh, we're in a time of haves and have nots in the NFL? Kind of like it's gotten to be a little bit in baseball, uh, where there's rebuilding teams and contending teams and there's not there's less in the middle or is this just overreaction from two weeks i think we have a couple teams that are so extremely bad i think that maybe that's why we're perceiving that way it that way but i think that the bottom number is small and i think we have a lot of middling teams that if certain things break right for them they can end up a lot better than we thought um but you're right we have like the denvers of the world and the jets and you know, it's like four teams in yeah. Miami. So it's, it's, but other than that, then I, I think things stabilize a bit. Yeah, probably so. I mean, we, every year we react and we think, oh, these guys are special bad. Like the Bills last year thought that was going right. to be the case. After week one, they looked terrible against Baltimore. Later on, they beat Minnesota at Minnesota. It can happen. That's it. I do think Miami is special bad. I really do think that they're, they are on another level. They are truly what tanking looks like. Yes, because even when we had that 0-16 Cleveland Browns team, that team was competitive most weeks. Yeah, they were. They were. Yeah. But I, I, I can't I don't see, see it. There. I don't see it with uh, Miami, not anytime soon. I mean, not when everybody's no. trying to jump off the ship. Not when they're trading away Minka Fitzpatrick. You know, I, the Tunzel trade, I thought it was a great trade for them. Now, it's a question of can they actually do anything with those picks. But, you know, I think that, you know, you know, you see these guys, everybody else, other, other players want out, you know, you want Kenyon Drake probably wants out. Uh, you know, it's just tough. What'd you think of the Fitzpatrick trade? You're an, you're our IDP guy. Um, it sounded to me like they moved him to a position where he wasn't as comfortable, where he wasn't elite, where he, and meanwhile, he was elite as a slot corner and they were kind of asking him to do a different thing. Yeah. And the last I heard, they were going to have him play safety. That's what you heard as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of IDP, at safety, he'll put up good numbers. Um, but what I'm noticing through charting the first couple of weeks is defensive backs are frequently getting more tackles than linebackers. And this, this has to do with obviously the passing nature of the league. But as I'm charting these numbers, I keep seeing, wow, seven tackles, eight tackles, six tackles. And then I'm looking at linebackers, aside from some of the elite ones, with like three tackles, four tackles. And so that's been a, a big shift in the IDP paradigm. Yeah, it has. It has. Uh, and, yeah, it used to be that, you know, you had to find the teams that would just – face the run a lot there and say a good run supporting safety to try to find that IDP. Like for instance, in the stake league, we play one D one DB, one linebacker, one defensive, uh, defensive lineman. You'd often look for that safety. that pile up a lot of tackles. Those are, you know, just a, in this in support of the run run defense. And that's getting harder to find. Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. Um, the game is a changing. Yes, it is. It is. It is. Before we move on, talk more news items. Uh, let's uh, get a quick note from our uh, sponsors at Fantasy Draft. Fantasy Draft, the only rake-free daily fantasy site in the business, brings the heat again with a $750,000 guaranteed rake-free contest. The Hooter main event with its $100,000 first place payout. This is the largest and only rake-free contest running anywhere for NFL Week 3. That's right. Fantasy Draft is the only daily fantasy site where you can play contests with no management fees taken out of the prize pools 100% of the time, not just for limited-time promotional contests. Listen, as other fantasy sites continue to raise rake, prize pools are being squeezed, making it harder for players like you to win. Whether you call it rake, commission, or management fee, the days of paying 10 12 or even 16% of your entry fees to fantasy companies are over. No longer will you lose 30% of your bankroll to the house. Sign up at FancyDraft.com today with promo code ROTOWIRE and you'll get a free 7-day trial on your first $1,000 of rake-free fantasy fees. That's FancyDraft.com, promo code ROTOWIRE. 
Don't miss your shot at millions of dollars in rake-free contests this season. Start playing on Fantasy Draft today. Your bankroll is going to love it. I'm Jeff Erickson here. My co-host today, Jim Coventry from rotowire.com. You can read Jim's IDP analysis up on the site right now. Uh, go to rotowire.com slash free if you don't already have that subscription to Rotowire. If you don't, I'm surprised. You're listening to this podcast. You listen to us all the time. But please check it out, rotowire.com slash free. Jim, uh, this week, IDPs are a little interesting. We're starting to get a few injuries that are creating some value for other players or forcing us to scramble. I've got Darius Leonard and the tackle machine that he is. Now I got to find. See, I know he's still in the protocol as of today. I got to find a replacement. Who should I be looking for? So what I do is I, I like to stream. Okay, if you don't have a superstar in there, when a superstar goes out, they typically will rotate players, or the, obviously the player that's in doesn't have the range of the starter. So you don't get that replacement from the same team. So at linebacker, I like to look at some potential game flow ideas. And so like team I look at this week are the Dolphins are playing the Cowboys. Right. Well, I know the Cowboys have been pretty varied on offense lately, but they're going to run the ball a lot in this game. They're going to have a big lead, whether it's Zeke or whether it's Tony Pollard, if the game gets put away early, um, tar- targeting, depending on the size of your league. I mean, I, the guys I point out in the article are Raekwon McMillan, Jerome Baker, Sam Owen. Those are probably your guys that might have um, some spike numbers in them this week. Um, again, we want to see hopefully 40, 45 rushing attempts from Dallas. And right. that puts up square in the mix for having a, a nice week for you. Yeah, that's, that's a great suggestion. So, which one of those would you target first? I think McMillan. Um, a, I think he's just the, he has the most range of the three, and so I just think the fact that that range gets him extra opportunities because we have blockers from Dallas that are come down to the second level, and they're going to be able like to chip players out of the way. So sometimes it doesn't even matter where in the alignment of linebackers you're at; it's which player can shed the tacklers best. So I think McMillan would be the one who I could see who has the most likely probability of shedding tacklers and getting to the ball. Yep. You mentioned in your column, too, that uh, with the Raiders facing the Vikings, the Vikings love to run the ball, love to run it a ton. And this seems like a game where they're going to be protecting a lead at home against the Raiders. So maybe Raiders linebackers might also be like Vontez Perfect, if he's still available out there, might also be uh, pretty fortunate to go to go get. And as long as he doesn't get suspended by Sunday, which there's no reason to think he will. But, hey, it is Vontez yeah. Perfect, right? Exactly. Uh, he was a little banged up uh, last week, but this week. No, no such indication. You know, he hasn't racked up the tackle stats just yet. Uh, had, uh, you know, he had, actually, so yeah, he had six in the week one, only four last week against the Chiefs. Granted, the Chiefs are an aerial team, a little bit more, didn't pound the ball, don't pound the rock up the middle. So it doesn't lend to itself to as many tackles by your inside linebacker. Yeah, and that supports what we were talking about a couple moments ago, that that's why we're targeting when we're streaming teams that are likely to run the ball a lot. Because week to week, when you face a Kansas City, you're right, it's going to be a plethora of pass attempts, and there aren't going to be the tackles to be had by the linebackers. So it, that's why I love streaming in IDP leagues. Yeah. One more game that you suggested at linebacker, and then we'll move on. Uh, Titans and Jaguars, the Thursday night game. And, and notice that I'm using you on this podcast for my pickup and stake league to replace Leonard. That, that's why we're doing this here, by the way. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. I have my go, my guru, my go-to guy. But uh, you mentioned also that uh, Titans linebackers going up against Leonard Fournette might be actually a pretty fruitful uh, pursuit. Yeah, I do. And regardless, I, I, Thursday night game, I just don't see any – need for either team to go with an aerial attack. I neither of them want to do that. Um, they don't want to turn their quarterbacks loose. So yeah, this could be one of those classic games that end up about 13 to 10, but with a lot of running attempts. And so yeah, the Titans linebackers are looking really good here. Um, my, I put them in order for this on the, on the list. Rashawn Evans. I think he's the best opportunity to have the big game from the linebackers of the Tennessee Titans. Yep. Uh, and I kind of think too, that, uh, you know, the Titans might actually, Get to Gardner uh, uh, Minshew a little bit there, too. The Texans' pass rush was pretty impressive last week uh, getting to him. They also forced three fumbles in this game, and, you know, and he only lost one of them, but that pass rush was a problem for them all game long. 
They are a very underrated defense, and I think you're already on to it by, by your comments. I could tell that you you realize this, but they're a defense that they're available as a team defense in fantasy leagues, which I don't think they're in many leagues, but they are in some. They are a defense to look at because they their corners are good. They're not great, but they're good. Mm-hmm. And with the pass rush they could generate, we know the correlation between a great pass rush and then the corners not having to cover as long, which makes them look better. But overall, that defense can cover, they can pressure, and that's the recipe that you like in your fantasy defenses. Absolutely. So uh, what do you like in that game? Who, who, you know, let's, let's start looking at some of the games here this week. Thursday, you know, Thursday night, we talked about the defenses here, and I think that's probably appropriate in this game. It should be uh, one of the lower expect, uh, expected point games of the week, but uh, especially because of the two teams and because it's Thursday night. The last time we saw these two teams meet up, Derrick Henry had a night for the ages. Is it possible for him to repeat? Here's why I think not. When they were playing the game last year, the Jaguars had been in that funk of all those straight losses and they were really in disarray. And you could tell when Henry was running the ball, the defenders were making business decisions. They were keeping away from, they just let it go. I I remember that vividly. Yes. It, It was terrible. And I think even though they've got, Jalen Ramsey fighting with the coaching staff and demanding a trade. And I still think the Jaguars are going to come into this game with a good mindset on their home field. And I think that they're going to make it tough on Derrick Henry. Henry will get his carries, but I think this is not going to be, he might get 80, 80 to hundred yards, but I don't see him having anywhere near the massive day he had in the late 2018 season. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, he does look pretty good. I notice though, they're giving him a, a handful more targets maybe this year than they have in the past. I mean, they hit that big 75-yard screen pass against Cleveland in week one. But I watched, rewatched the Colts-Titans uh, game, and, you know, they're, he's, like, staying on the field more on third downs. You know, Deion Lewis was less of a factor than ever. Uh, and, you know, Henry was getting some of those targets. So I wonder if this is just a, you know, game flow thing, or maybe this is kind of a conscious decision that, hey, he's probably our best player. We need to get him the ball more often. I think the biggest problem Tennessee had with Deion Lewis last year is they didn't have a clue how to use him. Yeah. When they set up the screens, Tim, they weren't putting him in the advantageous positions that the Patriots were. The Patriots would get him out with particular sets of blocking out in front to give him an opportunity to make that move where they're just last year, they were throwing to him out in open space and that was never going to work because he could never get the head of steam going before he was hit. Yeah, that's right. Leaving him on the sidelines is probably the smartest move because they don't know how to use him. And yeah, it's really frustrating because Deion Lewis is an excellent football player. I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's no, it's no knock against Lewis. I think it's more like it's, it's, it's kind of a pumping up, uh, you know, uh, of Henry and just kind of the, uh, you know, on the usage part for, uh, Tennessee and how they use them there. So that that's all all the you know, that's my response on that. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. On the other side, Leonard Fournette is getting crazy usage. There is no backup to speak of that's even like, you know, getting in on third downs. There he got he's had uh I believe six targets in each of the first two games in the passing game. So all that talk in the preseason about using him a lot more in the passing game, well it's come to fruition so far. Yeah. And I, I was on board with that. I didn't see they had anybody to take work from him, especially when Alfred blew, it was, he did get injured, correct? They yeah. He's on IL, IR. So, uh, yeah. And so once he went away, because Alfred Blue may not be a great football player, but he's useful in certain circumstances, just passing downs. And as soon as he went down, it was the Leonard Fournette show. And although Leonard has yet to put up the numbers we'd like, the volume is fantastic. The overall results are acceptable, and he'll eventually break some runs. He's too good to not be able to do that, especially now that he's healthy. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, and it's a different offense now, different coordinator. John Filippo uh, sees the value in you know, getting him involved in that. That's definitely very good, too. The other thing also is there's, you know, the receiving core has changed, at least in terms of who's getting usage. You look at uh, DJ Chark. I, I put bids on him this week. I like him a lot. I was talking with Liz on the XM show about this today. I'm, I'm, I'm really buying in. This is year two. That, that breakout seems real to me. Oh, I believe it is. Absolutely do believe it is. And um, when Minshew started to play, I think everybody assumed that D.D. Westbrook would be the guy, that he would continue to throw short, throw over the middle. Um, He hasn't been that way. He's been quite aggressive, and he realizes maybe who his his best 
physical player is get him the ball and so so far yeah it's worked out very nicely for them it has it really has so uh kudos kudos on, on him i i still like conley although he's dealing with a hit pointer right now uh and then i i haven't given up on dd westbrook I, I know some people have been giving me some pushback in my rankings this week and i might move him down i'm very stubborn though jim i like i like westbrook's skills i know he, do, he doesn't have fulls throwing him the ball anymore but he's still a really effective slot guy Got a touchdown in week one. I still think that there's uh, still hope for him to kind of have his good size games too. Well, I certainly hope so. And what I can bank on, because I'm kind of in on Westbrook as well, what I'm hoping is when defenses are studying the film and they see that Chark's getting the ball, that they're going to have to put the attention on him and then Westbrook is going to have things open up for him. And with his explosive ability after the catch, um, I agree that with you that, yes, he has an opportunity to come through, but it might just take a little while for that to come to fruition. Yeah. On the other side of the ball, I am giving up on Corey Davis, however. Uh, it, it breaks my heart. I thought that there was a chance that, you know, this would be the year you'd have a little bit of a breakout. It's a reflection more of Marcus Mariota, I think, than Davis, but I just don't see it happening. Hey, I'm all in on Corey Davis when he joins his second team in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, um, that that's well said. Well said. Uh, you know, they they drafted AJ Brown. They have Delaney Walker. We mentioned Henry. I just you know I don't know if there's room for him to to have that, especially with their type of offense. They just don't throw throw the ball downfield all that often. They don't. And now you have A.J. Brown in the mix. Delaney Walker's back. And so that 26.4% target share he had last year, well, he's not getting that anymore. Yep. So I am if you're I can even get behind cutting him in shallower leagues like Yahoo leagues with four or five man benches. I mean, it's hard to hold on to a guy like that, especially if you have to replace other injured guys. You know, it's just hard to envision starting him anytime soon. And in the week that you start him. He's going to goose egg you. And then they have that one week yeah. where, where he blows up and you're like, oh, my gosh. And but you could never have used them. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, and good luck. And on that, the same thing happened last year. He was cut for his big games. I think I rushed and picked him out, picked him up in uh, the stake league. He had a couple of good games in there, but had a lot of duds in there, too. And it's just you want to find a better scheme to get behind. Yep. So I, I, I tell the audience, I mean, make the hard decision. Yeah. I, I'd cut bait if there's any type of better option out there. Yeah. Like, um, as, as some examples here, let's look at some of maybe some of the guys we were looking at this week, because there's a lot of, you know, I mentioned Chark. I'd, I'd cut him for Chark. That's for sure. Uh, so it's just one idea of that. A uh, lot of rookie wide, wide outs. I'd cut, you know, not that Metcalf's available anywhere, but yeah, I'd cut him for Nelson Aguilar. Even though he perpetually frustra- frustrates me, I mean, the the opportunity is there. Especially in the short term, it looks like Deshaun Jackson may miss a couple games or so. Yep. And Elshon Jeffrey's not looking really good. So especially in the short term, um, I'm also looking at Preston Williams over in Miami. Yes, yeah. they've gotten creamed in a couple of games, but matchups haven't been very good. They're going to see a few better matchups. Uh, maybe not this week with Dallas, but soon. And Preston Williams is getting some targets. What about Demarcus Robinson? Huge game against the Raiders. Uh, only had six targets, but they all connect and they all were big plays. And the fact is Tyreek Hill's out for an indefinite period of time. You know, I, I, I want pieces of Kansas City offense. I, I think I'd rather just take the chance on Robinson in the short term and just kind of cycle through that. You know, you talked about streaming linebackers. Well, maybe stream the your last wideout spot, too. Well, and there's so much volatility at the position. It, it's wise to do that, especially when, as you mentioned, you have a guy in an explosive passing offense who clearly can get downfield. So one big play makes your week, and Patrick Mahomes is not shy about throwing that ball downfield, especially if Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey are seeing quite a bit of coverage. Yeah. Thoughts on Debo Samuel in San Francisco? Seems like he's surpassed Dante Pettis. Yeah, I, I know they had talked going into last week's game that Pettis was going to see more work, and I think he saw a tad more work. But no, Debo Samuel seems to be, um, along with Marquise Goodwin, they seem to be the main beneficiaries of the offensive passing attack to the receivers, at least. You know, we have George Kittle, the tight end. But Debo Samuel is a guy that, yeah, you should definitely look at. And if you see a game in which the 49ers are expected to uh, have to score some points, definitely he's a guy you can use. 
Yeah, I think so too. Thought, yeah, and you know, that's another one there where I am like just kind of waiting to see like how, if that that's a long term thing or not. But like Samuel, like was the guy who was getting targets. Pettis threw a target but didn't receive any of his own. So uh, that's kind of tough. Um, so yeah, that, that about James Wash. I'm sorry. What do you think about James Washington? I mean, Dante Moncrief couldn't have had a worse start to the season, right? Right. Uh, I mean, uh, and he we know about his college hookup with Mason Rudolph. I think every analyst in the industry has pointed that out, and it's good, mm-hmm. and that they did hook up a lot in the preseason too. These yeah. are all good things. It didn't really happen in Seattle, though. Uh, we'll see what happens when you've got a week to prepare for it. Sure, I could see, I could get behind that a little bit. I think he's a stash. I don't think he's a start this week, though. Correct, correct, absolutely, yes. Um, if he's out there, he and you have the bench spot, like Jeff said, worth a stash because if he's willing and has a comfort level with him to throw the ball downfield to him, that could end up fruitful. But Vance McDonald certainly clicked with him last week. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, and good thing that for those people that held on after a week one dud, I mean, you had to have hold on, held on to me. Have you seen tight ends lately? They're they're terrible. They're just it's a wasteland. Oh, it's already horrible. Horrible, Jim. We'll talk about that more in a second. But first, a note from one of our sponsors this time from SeatGeek. Getting tickets online can be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. By searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Made SeatGeek your go-to ticket source from everything to sports and concerts to comedy and theater. I actually have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and I've used it quite a bit of times. Uh, Most recently uh, for uh, baseball tickets, actually. uh, Dodger game one time and then another time in Atlanta when I was with Scott Scott Jenstad, a friend of the uh, Sunday baseball podcast, uh, when we were in Atlanta and we bought tickets to a Braves-Mets game when we saw Peter Alonzo uh, discover water in the new stadium in Atlanta there. There are a lot of great events coming up. Uh, NFL season has already started. Go get your uh, tickets through SeatGeek. Best of all, my listeners can get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase of $30 or more. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code ROTONFL today. That's promo code ROTONFL for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase of $30 or more. SeatGeek, license event, we have the tickets. You listen to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast on Wednesday, September 18th. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Jim Coventry. Uh, we, we teased this earlier, but uh, tight ends, it is a wasteland. It's really hard to find good good guys to pick up. I mean, I think I put in some bids on Will Disley after his two-touchdown game, but yeah, come on. Do I really expect much to repeat out of that? It's hard to find anybody that you really get to get excited about this week. I don't think so. I mean, it, it's a tight end. It's so difficult. Yeah. Um, I, some people had dropped Greg Olson and I, even in some of the bigger leagues I was in, he was available. Really? And, um, yeah. And that was, it was like the Kings classic league, 14 teams. And, and I didn't bid enough on him. I needed a tight end because I had Hunter Henry and I also had David Njoku take oh. over for him, and, and he gets concussed. And so like a fool, I should have put a couple more dollars on Olson. And then now I'm playing Tyler Eifert this week. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm a Bengals fan. I'm a self-hating Bengals fan at that. And (laughs) Tyler Eifert kind of makes me sad. Yes. He scored last week and that was great, but man, I saw him on the open field one time. It was like a third and one. They had an opening in the flat and he just took forever to get going. The wheels were spinning like they were on, uh, it was like my cousin Vinny in the soft Miss Alabama mud there. Uh, but (laughs) it it just, and he didn't get the first down on the third and two where he's open the flat and just, the linebacker made up the ground on him so quickly. That's not the Tyler Eifert I remembered. You know, he's just a different version of himself right now. Yeah. And the line I'll use, I'm sorry, is that when Jason Witten is faster than you, it's a problem. Yeah. Well, Jason Witten has two touchdowns. He's available he in a lot of leagues. Did you think about him? I did. And he and Eifert were both right there. And, and I thought to myself, oh, they're playing Washington and are they just going to run the ball? How much are they really going to have to pass? And right. so. I know and Tyford is Eifert is a bad matchup with um the Bills, but yep. maybe he gets a maybe he gets a touchdown again this week. But yeah, I mean I'm not expecting anything out of either of them. Anything you get is gravy out of those guys, right? 
Right. They expected uh, and they, they in week one, CJ Uzumo was on the field more, got more, uh, you know, receiving yards this week, this past week, he had to stay in and block the, the, the Bengals just, their offensive line is so bad right now mm-hmm. that they, they needed the extra blocker. And that's not good. That's not very good for uh, getting those extra receiving yards. So, yeah, that, that's that's a problem. That, you know, I don't think they're going to ask Eifert to block a whole lot. That's the one thing that's in his favor. Absolutely. Um, real quick, what are your thoughts on Joe Mixon? I know he had an ankle, but what are your thoughts with the state of the line and going forward? What are you thinking about him? Same as they were in draft season. I'm scared to death. Uh, you know, they, you know, it, it, it's, it's a real problem right now that they don't, they can't block. Uh, they, they've had some issues they've had some other, uh, like secondary injury issues, like Michael Jordan, the guy that uh, fourth round pick out of Ohio state that won the left guard battle. He got hurt last week. He wasn't grading out very well anyhow, but, uh, that, that was, that was a problem. Uh, you know, you look at just, you know, everything on this line, they've, they've really, you know. They've they've really 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 struggled to kind of get any sort of run game going. This started way back in the preseason and it hasn't gotten any better since. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not optimistic that it's going to turn around a little bit. Uh, you look at uh, just you know their best offensive lineman is in the pr- concussion protocol right now, but he's not much of a run blocker anyhow. Cordy Glenn, I'm talking about. Sorry, uh, the name was escaping me for a second. Uh, I just I I don't see a whole lot of reason for optimism, and I think this is a tough road game at Buffalo. I, I'm pretty much on Buffalo for this game. Might be the fact that I'm a self-hating Bengals fan, but I I, I feel pretty pessimistic about the Bengals. Yeah, it's, it's in there at home. So I mean, enough said there, right? Yeah, and so that means that game script wise, they're going to be playing from behind. I think they'd like to be able to establish the run. You know, I'd like to win a million dollars in the lottery. Actually, I, I don't play the lottery, so uh, or DraftKings. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's same thing. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I, I think that you know, chances are they, you know, they'll they'll try and they will fail to establish the run, and then they'll have Dalton throw it forty times, and he'll be running for his life. Not good. Not good. Not good at all. Um, one more free agent. I'm yeah. running back, though. Ty Johnson from Detroit. Yeah. C.J. Anderson got cut. Yes, Ty Johnson did. did get work last week. He does project to be a pass catcher, and Carrion Johnson wasn't playing a full-time role, obviously, as it was through two weeks. And so a sneaky ad might be Ty Johnson. Not saying he's going to light, you know, set the earth on fire, but – he may, especially if Johnson gets dinged up, he could work himself into a pretty expansive role. Yeah, uh, I, I think you're right about that. I saw some people picking up in uh, Fishbowl uh, earlier today. So, yeah, I, I think that's a good uh, good guy to throw out there as well. I could see that uh, working to his advantage. Uh, I they, yeah, it's just more of a narrow tree. Getting rid of uh, C.J. Anderson kind of helps that. So, you know, they, they picked up Paul Perkins, but that's not he's not really there to take away carries. Uh, the thing that was annoying to me was they were running J.D. McKissick in the two-minute drill. Now, granted, even even selecting the running play in the first place was kind of annoying. Having McKissick do it was even more annoying just because, oh, well, they'll never see it coming because we have our pass catching back in there. Meanwhile, Carrion Johnson scored on a receiving touchdown. He also dropped a pass on the wheel route later on. So I kind of get it that he's still working on the receiving part of his game. Ty Johnson's actually a pretty good backup, too. I'm with you on that. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a – I think he's still going to be like a series here, a series there sort of guy, though. Oh, I agree. I agree. But it's, like I said, if Carrion should go down for a period of time, it's kind of a nice stash maybe. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, what do you think about Frank Gore this week going – you know, with Devin Singletary dealing with the hamstring injury, with them already kind of putting Gore out there on the uh, – the, the top part of the depth chart, even the first two games, even before the injury home game against the Bengals, the script suggests that they might be trying to run the ball a lot, especially against a Bengals team that rosters just four linebackers, only two of which they play, you know, they get, you know, they just gave up like 300 rushing yards to the Niners the week before. Could Gore be useful this week? As I answer that, how did they stuff the Seattle run? I know that they had two rushing touchdowns, but they stuffed Chris Carson in the run in week one. And then week two, they it was just the opposite, like you said. Um, how did that happen? I think that Kyle Shanahan drew up a really good game plan, called the right plays at the right time. Maybe they're better, just better offensive line blocking. Uh, and just a week of film. Keep in mind, the, the Bengals were a black box. They were a team that 
has new coordinators, new head coach, running schemes that they haven't run before. They did very vanilla sets in the preseason, and then they had something different in game one. They ran basically a 5-2, if you will, because the Bengals' strength is their front line. Their, Their defensive line is good, and it's deep. Their linebacking core is terrible, terrible. Uh, and th- their their mindset was, well, let's not force it. Let's not force these guys that aren't ready for prime time on the field just so we can have more linebackers. Let's scheme around that a little bit. Well, that worked, especially in week one when you, you've never seen it before. It takes a while to adjust. Kyle Shanahan had a week to kind of digest it, look at all the film, found a good game plan. Yeah, that, that's a great answer. So I'm now I can answer the Frank Gore question a little better because I wanted to hear that that your your um your input about the Cincy D. So yeah, yeah, I mean Gore, you could probably put him in for 65 yards with probably a 50 percent chance of scoring a touchdown. Yeah, be still my beating heart. That's about the Frank Gore experience for the last 10 years. But uh, no, it's about the last five years where uh, it's just yeah, it's it's workload dependent. If he gets his repetition, he'll probably get you enough that you can start him. Yeah, so I would use him as a flex play for sure. And if I mean, nobody should be that desperate at running back yet without bye weeks, there haven't been that many running back injuries. So yeah, I'm thinking flex play. Yeah, I think that's probably appropriate. Uh, Raheem Mostert looked awesome. Matt Breida looked awesome. Both guys got vultured by Jeff Wilson on the goal line, but they all three had, were were productive enough. What what's your thoughts on uh, Mostert? So Mostert, uh, he runs every play like his life depends on it. Yeah. It, it's amazing to see the effort that he puts forth. And it's, it's interesting you, that we say that, or I say that because you think every player would play that way, but there's something different about Mostert. It's like, it's almost like he has something to prove with each run. He just goes so hard through the motions of, of what he's trying to achieve. And he does. And, and so, yeah, he's earning those reps. And when Tevin Coleman comes back, I, I mean, I don't know how you tell Mostert you're out. I, I don't, I think he's still going to have a role even when Coleman comes back. Yeah, uh, I, it, 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 I agree. I agree. And, you know, it's, you know, Burrito looks great. Moster looks great. I mean, they, they, we always we always knew you want parts of the Shanahan run, rushing offense, except you always knew that it's going to be an annoying timeshare. Uh, so we'll see what, what happens going forward. But this week against Pittsburgh, you like the matchup? Since San Francisco is at home, I like it better. If Pittsburgh was at home and they're, they really, really need a win, I don't know if they're going to be able to get one. But if they were at home, it'd be different. But I think San Francisco at home, yeah, I think that Shanahan, um, you know, he schemes up the system as he always does, and his running backs are going to have success. And Breida is a really talented player. I mean, when I looked at his um, his metric profile and i don't have it in front of me right now it it was a very impressive profile it wasn't one he definitely wasn't like some average guy he's well above average in speed and agility yeah i'd agree with that uh i i I love brita except he's not going to get goal line carries i think that's pretty clear also i think mostert will get him if there's some reason why jeff wilson won't get him i think that's that's probably the pecking order around the goal line and I did find you're right about that. And I found Brita's uh, metrics. He, um, his 40 time was in the 93rd percentile. His explosiveness score was the 99th percentile and his agility is like 75th percentile. So this is a player. Uh, he may be a bit, you know, um, he may lack durability a bit, but he is clearly an outstanding running back. Yeah, he is. Uh, I, I do like him quite a bit. Uh, let's go ahead and take it one more commercial break before we move on to sizing up week three here, uh, a note from our title sponsor, Yahoo fantasy sports. We always thank them for their support. Uh, the NFL season is officially underway, which means Yahoo daily fantasy football has returned. There's a million reasons to enter the free Yahoo cup on daily fantasy and they're all dollars. That's right. Yahoo cup is free to enter and a perfect lineup will win you a million dollars every week of the football season. It's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players. If you're over 18 and a United States citizen, there's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from a game with a little cash. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy today. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. So we're looking at uh, week three slate and the the headline game to me, and I think for most people, is Baltimore Kansas City, Jim. And it's one where we've seen the you know the the offenses just crush so far. We've got two intriguing quarterbacks. We've got you know Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Uh, it, you know it's it's an exciting game. Do you think it lives up to the hype? 
I have a sneaking suspicion it won't. What okay. I think will happen is I, the Baltimore secondary is decimated. Um, they lost Tavon Young, their slot corner, in the preseason. And I don't know if we're getting Jimmy Smith back this weekend, um, but I, but he's he had a significant injury. So even if he plays, I don't think we're going to get the best to Jimmy Smith. And I knew last week that Kyler Murray's going to get his yards because I didn't think they could have any chance to matching, well, their four receiver sets. But um, But I don't think they have the horses in that secondary to deal with Mahomes. So I think they get out to a big lead. And I could see Kansas City playing a similar defensive style to what the Chargers played in the playoffs last year, where they put out a bunch of defensive backs. Because um, I think that in the if they have a lead, that could work in a scenario. And now I'd like to see Lamar Jackson thrive against that. And I'm not sure that'll happen, even though Kansas City doesn't have nearly the personnel the Chargers have. I, I, so I think they get down. I really want to see Baltimore playing with a deficit because I don't think we're going to see anything close to what we saw when they had the two cakewalks against two bad defenses to start the season. Yeah, I was just, you. I'm glad you mentioned the personnel, though, because let's face it, the Chargers DBs are superior to the Chiefs DBs. Uh, I don't think there is much debate about that. No, not close either. Yeah. And so I, I, I think the other thing is you have an offensive coordinator who, you know, who is better prepared to accentuate the strengths of Jackson to begin with and also has seen the tape from that game and will have presumably made some adjustments. I, he clearly has made adjustments uh, to the offense as a whole to prevent something like that from happening. But remember, he played Miami and Arizona. True. Miami doesn't have, doesn't have a defense and Arizona doesn't have a secondary. Um, Mark Andrews blew up. I mean, and that wasn't a big surprise. I know he did well last year, but Arizona now has been roasted by the, by, by the tight end two weeks in a row. Yes, but, that's um, true. But point, a point taken, certainly point taken. But, um, but I do want Kansas City might be a bad defense. We know they are, but I think that at least they're a little more functional than Miami and Arizona. And they do have a pass rush, which is a little that's going to make a little bit of a difference as well. It is. It absolutely is. And it's going to be uh, Arrowhead debut this year uh, for the Chiefs. They were on the road for their first two games. You know, it's the first time that Jackson's going to face real adversity. Let's face it, the Dolphins laid over. So that was it wasn't a real road game. This is the first real road game. Yeah, and playing in Kansas City, I mean, say what you will, but that's always been a tough environment for teams to play in. Yeah. Now, he did he did face it in KC last year, and that was an epic game. You know, that was where the Baltimore held the lead most of the game. Mahomes had that no look pass. He had the long play late. Uh, I think that was two Watkins, if I recall correctly, uh, that got them in position. They had the uh, the late the, the late tie. They had Butker missing a kick. You know, it was, there was all sorts of drama in that game. And I think the one thing that people forget is Baltimore had a lot of transition on defense this year, and, but they come out the gate and, you know, and they've looked good, but remember who they played. Yeah. And that's fine. But, um, but yeah, I am very anxious to see how this version of the Baltimore defense um, handles a good offense. Yeah, me too. I think that should be very interesting to see as well. Uh, let's wrap up uh, the cup with each, each of us talking about maybe one game that we're excited to see this week. Uh, maybe it, it's not the, it could be for various different reasons. It could be just cause you want to see a train wreck. Maybe you think it's going to be competitive. Maybe you want to see if it's a real test of wh- where these teams are at. For me, I'm really looking forward to seeing Colts Falcons. I, I, why I, is that? So first of all, I think the Colts are really good. I think, you know, they, it, yes, it really hurt them losing Andrew Luck, but I think the over under wins total adjusted too much. I think the line is really good. The defense is quietly up and coming and strong. I think the, I think Frank Reich is a great, great head coach. I think this is just a smart organization. And I think that, you know, they, you know, I think they showed in their first weeks, took the chargers and on the road to overtime. Uh, and then they beat Tennessee in Tennessee. And I think this is a team that, is going to be a better than average team still has a pretty decent chance of winning their division. I don't think it's, we're going to, I don't think they're going to roll over to Houston by any stretch of the imagination. And I, meanwhile, think Atlanta isn't going to be that good of a road. I, I, I want to fade Atlanta on the road a little bit. So I think Indy is, should be better than the standard three point favorite that they are. And instead the, the betting public is treated differently. Like Atlanta would be a better team on a neutral surface. And I don't, I don't think that's the case. I like it's a great call on that, and I'm yeah, me a little more excited for that game than I might have been previously. Yeah, so uh, that's one I want to see. I'll throw one more at you too that I really want to see: uh, the Chargers against Houston. 
This is two teams that are expected to be very good. This is a good matchup against each other. Chargers should have won last week against Detroit. Uh, they left points on the field th- thanks to the flags and thanks to the kicker. Uh, I don't know if they'll have their kicker back this week yet. We'll, we'll still wait on that one there. But I know they've had a ton of injuries, but I still think they're also a very solid team. Well, Phillip Rivers was so frustrated at the end of that game. They were close to field goal range. We're so-called field goal range with the punter kicking. And so he took a deep shot and not a good pass. The Casey Hayward had inside yep. position on Keenan Allen and they got picked off. But that was sheer frustration. But they did have a chance, you know, to maybe hit that field goal and have gone overtime, I believe, had that happened. Right. Um, game I'm looking at, Rams at Cleveland. Yes. So, yeah, so – Freddie Kitchens made it a point to mention that he's got to keep Baker Mayfield from taking all these hits. Well, this is the week that they can really do something with that. As good as the Rams defense is, they can be run on. And I'd, I'd like to see them make a big commitment to Nick Chubb this week. And I would like to see how Chubb performs in a situation like that, because even without an excellent offensive line, I do believe that he has the skill set where he can make stuff that's not necessarily there. And when he gets to the second level, which he hasn't done much this year, he's a dangerous runner. And if they get that running game going, play action becomes a big friend to them. And Odell Beckham is just such a weapon. So I really want to see how they come out this week on the Sunday night game. Yeah, me too. Uh, And two weeks in a row in primetime for the Browns. So it'll be interesting. I'm unimpressed with their offensive line so far. Very I, unimpressed. I, even Monday night, you know, they, they're playing with the lead the whole game. They can, you know, on defense, they did their job. They shut down the jets like you thought they would, but you know, they had one big play in the second half after already having a 16 to three halftime lead. That's all the offense they could generate in the second half. And I was kind of disappointed about that against a team that was missing CJ Mosley and Quinn and Williams. I would have thought they would have done better. So I do agree with you. But the one defense I want to make for Cleveland in the first two weeks was in week one, Dean Pease is the defensive coordinator for the Titans. And Dean Pease is amazing at scheming it up. And he had pressure in in Mayfield's face. And it was more than just an offensive line issue. Mm-hmm. He had pressure coming from varied spots in different situations, and he never knew it was coming from. And then we go to week two and Greg Williams, he was bringing and no shock to anybody. He was bringing plenty of different blitzes and he is a master at using the blitz. Now doesn't do many other things. Well, so right. I think these were two just bad matchups stylistically for Mayfield. The Rams are a completely different animal, although they do have great pieces. I don't know that they have the pass rush that they're able to do the type of things to confuse Mayfield. Yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I, I actually picked the, the Rams to cover this one on the road, but uh, we'll see. Uh, like you said, you know, there is home golf versus road golf too. Kind of curious about that. I'll, I'll say one thing that the Browns defense has lived up to the hype so far. Miles Garrett has lived up to the hype so far for sure. And, and like I always say, when you have a pass rush and you have good cornerbacks who can cover, those are the two critical components in today's NFL in which you can find success. Yep. Um, and one thing about the Rams, I, I even though the Rams have scored some points so far, they haven't been great on offense. They've had a couple of big plays, but they had a couple defensive plays um, that set up touchdowns in week one. And, but I still think their offense has been somewhat limited because defenses are doing more of the quarters coverage. Um, They're trying to take away the zone run by playing defenders more outside. And I think Cleveland may be very well equipped to handle them on their home field that way. Yeah, they may very well may. Um, that'll be, yeah, I think it's going to, I I feel a strong under feel on this one. It's 49 is the total. I kind of feel like it's, you're going to be disappointed if you, if you're expecting a ticket to the carnival game, I think it's going to be tight, but low. Like that call. All right. So there you go. All right. Any other uh, final thoughts before we sign off today, Jim? Just want to wish everybody the best of luck in week three. All right. Me too. Uh, thanks for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. He's Jim Coventry. You can read uh, Jim's work on Rotowire. Uh, just you read the IDP column he does every week. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter at Jim Coventry NFL. Uh, please do so there. And 
Follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Erickson. Thank you for Yahoo for uh, sponsoring us. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back at you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.